0: You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. This episode is brought to you by j Check out jpacks.com. That's J-P-A-K-S dot They make 100% handmade goods from frame bags to handlebar bags to basically any custom bag you could ever think up. They'll do it. So go over to jpacks.com, and you can check them out on Facebook as well. Go to facebook.com slash jpacks, L-L-C, that's jpacks with a K, J-P-A-K-S, L-L-C, or over on Instagram, too, instagram.com slash J underscore packs. Now enjoy this episode of Just Riding Along. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Just Riding Along, brought to you by Andrea Can Break a Crowbar, and... Andrea can break a crowbar again. We have an action packed, uh, eyelet snapping episode for you today that is guaranteed (laughs) to leave you your jaw slack and your, your, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And your, and your
1: head tube slacker. Yeah.
0: So, uh, that's good.
1: I love geometry
0: jokes. We're going to uh, go over stuff that's been going on. Uh, Kenny has a couple of questions that he needs to address that are directed directly at his full face. And uh, yeah, but first and foremost, we need to cover the fact that uh, yesterday, as of this recording, Ben became the first person to ever do the Madahe 100 on a, or the Madahe 150 on a single speed. Um, he did it in 20 hours. He was third place overall and he was the first person to ever do it single speed. And, Boo. um, I found out that he had done a, a personal drop, which is totally allowed. And someone had stolen his personal drop. So it was like cooler and everything was gone. So Damn. he was actually like missing some of the supplies that he expected to have. So, um, that's that- old man power right there. Like you, you improvise the next time you see Ben at an event and he's like, you want to buy a shirt? The answer is yes. <laughs> Cause he's, <tough. laughs> that's
1: not a question. That's
0: a command. So yeah, let's get going. What's been going on with uh full face Kenny business as usual. I am going
2: to, I'm like literally packing up to go to interbike. So, I mean, it's not really that exciting. I've been to one. It's like, you know, it's kind of business as usual, but I'm going to try to enjoy myself as much as I can, you know, like be a little bit relaxed. And I mean, to be honest, I mean, I already know everything that I want to buy for the most part. I'm just going to go there and like, you know, the biggest thing about it to me is like meeting people that I've maybe, you know, talk to over the phone and that kind of stuff. Like it's more the relationship building than me um, actually looking at products at this point. But I'm sure there'll be something I guarantee there'll be at least one to two cool things there.
1: Are you gonna do uh, like a? Do they have an e bike criterium?
2: Oh, I don't know. I'm gonna fucking ride the shit out of e bikes though, because <laughs> that's really all that interbike is good for now. It's pretty much e bike, is what it really is.
1: Oh yeah, well cool. But anyway, yeah. yeah.
2: When do Speaking you leave? E bikes. We got a shop demo e bike.
1: When do you leave for uh, interbike?
2: Uh, so today's Monday. I leave uh, tomorrow afternoon. Fun. Yep. Well, not really. I mean, you got to like deal with airports and people and like security people and you know, like fucking flying sucks. It's terrible. But anyway, it is what it is. And I will, uh, I'll let you guys know next show if I see anything really cool, but I'm sure I will ride e-bikes. Hopefully they'll have a little demo course like they did last year. I think they will. That was pretty popular. Um,
1: They had like the last year that I went, they had a tractor pull. It wasn't a tractor, like you got on this cruiser and you pulled a sled that worked like a tractor pull sled. And on an e bike? No, no, just on normal like a cruiser.
2: They need to do that with e bikes though. So you can see who has the most powerful e bike.
1: I shouldn't have brought them up. (laughs) I regret. There that's one of like there are only like ten things in my life I regret now there's eleven.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the idea of a tractor pull is a bunch of dudes putting giant motors on tractors and pulling heavy sleds. That's true. So
1: I could never, I could never really get it started. Like I I had a hard time because like it wasn't like the bike didn't, didn't really like handle the way I expected it to. And I had issues with like balancing more than pedaling hard. It was weird, (laughs) but all right. Is that yeah. all? So,
2: interbike, that's about it. Uh, we got a, and you guys are going to get sick of hearing about e-bikes, but uh, <laughs> we got an e-bike shop demo. Uh, but it's just a commuter, so don't get too excited. It's cool. People will buy them. Yeah. You know, it's right. a good idea people, for a commuter. Yeah, people pulling kids in trailers and old people and that kind of shit. So, anyway, it's fun. I put 50 miles on it, <laughs> and I will say the first thing I did, I'm very proud of this. The first thing I did with it, it's a Shimano system. And the first thing I did with it is I jailbroke it. So <laughs> so what's took, the
1: top speed on it now?
2: Well, I didn't know if it was going to work or not. And I got a little scared because I thought I blew it up. But basically, <laughs> there's a magnet sensor thing on the Shimano, I think on the Bosch too. And it just gets your rear wheel speed. Uh-huh. So it knows how fast you're going. So it, it can limit you if it needs to and do all kinds of other smoothing and all the shit that it does. So anyway, I took that magnet sensor guy and the shimano thing's kind of cool because it uses all di2 wiring that we're all familiar with and you can actually use a little youtube reader guy to like you know do diagnostics and upgrade firmware and do all that kind of stuff but anyway i took that little uh receiver magnet receiver guy and i just flipped it around and i put and i mounted a uh magnet on the crank like a cadence sensor would be so i'm picking up crank cadence instead of wheel cadence on a uh, roughly 20, it's like a, no, sorry, it's a 40-millimeter tire. So anyway, in a relatively hard gear, it was about half the ratio of the rear wheel, and it fucking worked, and it, I couldn't believe it, so I took it out. And so this thing, it was cool, and it makes good power. It's only a 250-watt e-bike. But anyway, it was making good power, but it completely caps you at 20. It will not give you an ounce of assist over 20, which is kind of annoying because it feels really great up to 20, And then it just – you keep hitting this wall. It's like this rev limiter. And, like, you have to pedal a little bit, and then you pedal into a wall, and then it kind of picks up again, and then it stops, and it's kind of – it's really annoying, actually. (laughs) So with that gone, it was amazing, and it it went straight to 30. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And then I, like, stood up, and I tried to hammer the fuck out of the bike, and on flat got to 40. Oh my god! A, it was on a uh, just like a cruiser, upright this, cruiser. This
1: this counts as Kenny's story of the week, by the way.
2: <laughs> uh, so I got it up to forty on the flat, and I was pretty happy about that. And then it threw an error message, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is not good." I just <laughs> I just blew this thing up. But apparently, after I, after the fact of doing all this stuff, I kind of did some research after the fact, which you should do beforehand. But I'm a guy, so I don't really do that. Uh, is Apparently, the systems are a lot smarter now, and they have, like, all kinds of fancy firmware in there where they can detect when you fuck with shit. <laughs> so I think weird things happen, like, when it detects that wheel speed was super, super high, and then it just goes to zero because you stop pedaling for a second. It's like, wait a minute. This is really weird. And then all of a sudden, you're instantly going top speed again. Uh, so I think it knows that you're trying to fool the system, and it goes into limp mode, basically.
1: Like, you like know, a car? Like,
2: like a car, yeah, when you when some, some sensor breaks or whatever. It just goes into limp mode. So I just reset it, and it's fine. But uh, anyway, it has the capability – deep down inside, it has the capability of doing a very consistent – so my – on a hybrid bicycle, my 15-mile-an-hour pace, which is just cruising on a hybrid basically, uh, would be about high 20s on this bike, maybe mid-20s. I'll say mid-20s, and then my like – 18 mile an hour pace on a hybrid would be like damn near 30 miles an hour on this thing. And my 30 mile an hour pace, like full bore max power for one minute on a hybrid, which would be maybe not quite 30 miles an hour is 40 miles an hour on the e-bike. So that's what 250 Watts, at least on paper, the Shimano system, that's what it would give you if it was completely uncorked and unregulated. But anyway, it was kind of fun. Um, I, yeah, they're neat. They're neat devices. Um, you know, we don't have to talk about them as far as mountain biking goes because it's just too political. But you know, out on the streets, as long as the U.S. says they're 750 watts or less, that's basically our only like legislation on that, to my knowledge. I will have to do more research on that. Does that mean convenient.
1: that when I pedal my bike at more than 750 watts, that I'm illegal to have on the street?
2: That is correct. Yes. Awesome.
1: <laughs> that doesn't happen very often, but
2: yeah, you should only pedal really the hard. A few times. You should only pedal hard off road or on a closed course.
1: Yeah. Uh, well.
2: <laughs> no, I think that only has to do with the fact that you obviously have an electric motor assist. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's a very – I think that's a very reasonable number, and it's more than the Europeans get. So I'm hoping maybe we start building stuff around that number where we can you know, get more stuff and more consistency. And, and anyway, we, yeah, we, we need should, consistency. We should stop I don't, talking about e-bikes be, now. Yeah, I don't want it to be – the big thing for me is I don't want it to be the wild, wild west. I want it to – someone needs to make a decision. So that companies can make products that are consistent, and everything everybody plays by the rules. Somebody has to make the rule up, and then we can all follow the rule. People can bitch about it if they want, but that's the rule. Because right now we're kind of in this weird kind of like man.
1: when Colorado first let people buy weed.
2: Yeah, you know we need to be you need to do it with purpose. There needs to be a reason behind why you're doing what you're doing, and go from there. So E-bots anyway, that's why I-
1: they're just like weed. They're like a gateway drug, and you're gonna die.
2: <laughs> you're gonna die oh man can we uh, stop
1: talking about e-bikes now
2: no we can but i had fun that i still maintain let's just talk about commuter stuff forget about the mountain stuff if you just i encourage anybody to before you talk shit about it is just throw a leg over one and go pedal it around the neighborhood on a good one not some china piece of shit and just let me know what you think because they're kind of fun everybody i handed the bike off to like 12 people over the weekend Just random people that I saw or friends or employees or whatever. And everybody, when they got off, was like smiling, right? Like, come on. There's something to it. It's not this fucking most evil thing in the world. Um, So that's all I have to say about it.
1: All right. Well, cool. I broke my Mach 6.
2: Yeah, I saw that picture. Um, (laughs) That's... that's Actually... That's fucking crazy. A
1: fox shock islet broke... And that caused my Mach 6 to break.
2: Oh, you actually broke the bike, too.
1: Well, so what, happen- what happened was um, there's this race in Golden. Um, it's, it's, it's a first-year thing. It's called the Golden Giddy-Up. And they actually got permits to close down, like, two of the major trail systems in Golden, which is not Like, if, if you know, like, the volume of people who use those two trail systems on a Sunday is insane. And they got permits to shut them down to only race traffic. Um So it's like a dream come true. Like everyone's like, like nice people, at least polite people are like, Oh, you know, I, I don't ride fast on these trails because there's always, a, even on a weekday, these trails are fucking packed. And so they did enduro like chip timing. Um, they had, six segments between these two trail systems um three uphill and three downhill um so they uh you basically like you could do whatever you want like if you were like I want to get all the uphill KOMs you could do that if you were like I want to ride the course and get all the downhill ones you could do that if you're like I want to go fast everywhere you can do that too um so it was really 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 cool um, it was a cool event. It was well put on like for a first year event. Um, I was pleasantly surprised that it was as organized and on time and just really, really, really well done. Um, so
2: I, w- I real quick, real quick, just want to put something in there. And we've talked about this a whole bunch before putting on events, but putting on events fucking sucks if you're yeah. the actual person doing it. So like people don't, sometimes people don't understand how, Difficult. It's fucking. There's so many things, you know. The the porta potties don't show up or this or that or like, you know. It's just it's a fucking nightmare. So you just need to appreciate races that are put on and maybe don't quite bitch as much. Yeah. That's all I got.
1: Yeah. Well, they had a couple things going for them. They had a really good timing company. They had the same timing company that did the big mountain enduro races. So these people knew what the fuck they were doing. Cool. Um. Then they had. Uh, like the group of ladies who put on the Yeti Betty, like the Betty Bike Bash, which is an ongoing series or an ongoing. Like every year, they do this race. They actually started one in Arizona now. Like they've got them in on it, like kind of running the show, like at the race itself. So I think those things together like you know along with a lot of support from the community and everything like it it just it came together as a really good event. Um so I did the full version of the course. Um so you had the option of doing the full thing which was close to 30 miles um or you could do one trail system or the other. Like you could enter one or the other if you didn't want to do the full thing.
2: So did it include all your times up and down?
1: Yeah. And okay. it was pretty much like
2: so it's not quite an enduro because they timed the uphill ones
1: well, they have uphill segments um and they have downhill ones and
2: but you have to do them all
1: well, as far as the place you you'd have to do the whole course, but as far as placing goes, they were gonna do like an uphill placing a downhill placing um well, they were gonna do up and down like they didn't really have like an overall like this person was fastest the entire time. I don't think. Okay, I didn't that's really just weird. That because ad-
2: isn't that isn't that like the whole idea of an enduro is that you have to do a tiny bit of climbing, even though it's not technically timed, and a little bit of climbing in the actual run? Isn't that the whole?
1: Yeah, idea? I mean, it's you know everyone's got their own their their own uh, definition of enduro, but this was well, that's cool. they called it like a so like in in a grand fondo, you know, they have like timed uphill segments. They called it like a grand fondo enduro sort of thing, mm. so. Um, you know, it, it's, I don't think that you had to, like, if you didn't want to, like going through the uphill parts, if you didn't want to haul ass and go as hard as possible, you didn't have to same as like downhill. Like you could go really fast on the uphills and then like cruise the downhills if you wanted to, if you just wanted to get fast uphill times, like I think but they could se- you
2: run multiple bikes. No. Okay.
1: One bike. Um, but anyway, like, so I did the first uphill and I I think I did okay. Um, I wasn't really, were you on the Mach 6? Yeah, yeah, which the Mach 6 gets like it's a little unruly on steep stuff. Like, basically, your front tire hits like a rock or something that lifts it off the ground a little and it just kind of goes wherever the hell it feels like.
2: Oh, you're pretty nice to that bike. I rode it uphill and I was angry,
1: (laughs) but that's how big slack bikes are. Like, that's how. Slack bikes go uphill. It's like the front wheel wants to be off the ground, which is awesome going downhill, but sucks going uphill. So, um yeah, I mean I I rode it and it was it was fun. I mean it's it's okay. I'm pretty used to it uphill. Um but it's still just not all that fast uphill cuz it's, you know, it's a little heavier and it just doesn't steer that well. So a couple of times I had to like dab where I wouldn't normally dab if I was on a different bike.
2: I think you just like bikes uphill. For some yeah, reason. I do. It's I really do like, weird.
1: I like riding up and down.
2: Yeah. Every every bike I've ever talked to you about, you're like, Yeah, it was pretty it was pretty good uphill. <laughs> like you rode the, you rode the fucking WFO, you're like, it was great. Climbed great.
1: I just climbed like a you know, a thirty pound bike.
2: Yeah. But so did, you ride, did you ride that V ten carbon? Yeah, it was great, rode it uphill.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh. <laughs> uh, Anyway, so I, I did the first stage, and it was good. Um I went through an aid station where they had jello shots, and I took like half a jello shot, and it was fun. Um Rode a little bit more. It was probably from there, from like the end of the first uphill stage to the beginning of the first downhill stage was probably like half an hour of pedaling because you had to climb a little bit more, and then you had to ride the road for like a mile, and then... Uh, once you're back on the trail, like you got to the start of the second stage pretty quickly. Um, And it was down apex or enchanted forest and apex trails. And if you're not from around here, you don't know what the hell those are, but if you are from Colorado, you have probably heard of them or ridden them yourself. Um, And enchanted forest is really, really cool. Like it's, it's neat because it's got a lot of thick tree cover and the soil is a little bit loamier and, it's not loamy, but it's for around here where it gets, like, super dry and, like, like marbles. Uh, it's definitely got a lot more grip than everywhere else. And so uh, I was going through Enchanted Forest, and it gets pretty rowdy in some places. Like, it's got, like, root steps, basically down, like, really steep sections. And I was going down the really... Like, I was hauling ass. Like, it was... So good. Like, I was having a really great run and I was going down the last root section. And basically, like, kind of the way that I ride it on that bike or that I ride anything on that bike is like, I look and it's like, if I don't see any object or obstacle that would like make me wreck, I just go in a straight line. Um, so I just, I was just like straight lining a root section and kind of close to the bottom, all of a sudden I just hear this, like, BAM! Like, just this really loud, like... It sounded like kind of the same noise that a spoke makes when it breaks, but it was louder. And, like, simultaneously was, like, this loud crack. Like, it was like a spoke breaking and, like, a frame breaking at the same time. And I immediately, like, I hit the bottom of the hill, like, in this little ditch... And, like, lost control because I basically had, like, a really sketchy 160-millimeter front-end hardtail, like, instantaneously because the front, like, the, the upper shock eyelet just blew out. And as soon as the bike unweighted the way the suspension is designed, like, since that shock eyelet was no longer there, the, like, wishbone part of the suspension hit the seat tube hard enough to just crack it.
2: Like oh that sucks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so like that picture I sent you of the shock islet like that's um it basically for those of you listening at home my shock islet went from being an o to being a c. And it should
2: always it should always be an o.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: There is there's no point in time that a rear shock islet should ever be a c.
1: Yeah. And so it like I I skidded a little bit like I like I, I knew something was wrong and I started to slow down, but I couldn't really keep it under control. And like my rear wheel went off into the uh like the the trail goes along a creek, which is down probably like a six to eight foot bank, depending on, you know, where you are along the trail. Um So the rear wheel went down into the creek and I just kind of laid it down like it was probably it was like the most gentle, really fast lay down you could possibly do. I just got, I got a little scratched up, but like, I'm, I'm pretty unhurt. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was insane. Like I, I picked my bike up cause I was like, shit, I gotta go. Cause it was in the time section. And when I picked it up, it just went thump. Like, Oh no, like game over, man, game over. Like it was just dead. And around the next corner was like the first course marshal, like a first aid person. And, uh, he was like kind of already looking for me and he, he poked his head around the corner. He's like, are you okay? Like, yeah, I'm fine. I just broke my bike. And he's like, I heard it. It's like, that was crazy.
2: (laughs) So have you talked to any of the manufacturers?
1: Yeah. So I, I called pivot this morning and I talked to their warranty guy. Um, and he, and he's like, well, he's like, I've never heard of that. And a lot of people, like anyone who saw it, Uh, including a guy who's worked at push before. I mean, anyone who saw it has just been like, I don't, I've never seen a shock do that before. Like, that's really weird. And I talked to the guy at pivot this morning and he agreed. He's like, yeah, that is really weird. Uh, I think he appreciated that. I was honest. I was just like, yeah, I was racing and I was going fast, but I don't think I was doing anything that other
2: people don't do with this bike. You it's know. a fucking pivot Mach Six. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, like, it's made the hell to do, do you expect exactly to what do. I was doing. Exactly, it's made for enduro.
1: Yeah, so you know, and he was cool with that. Like, he he was like, "Yeah, that's that's good. I'm glad to hear you're having a good time." And uh,
2: and you're not exactly a two hundred pound monkey.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, sh- shit. That's what I told you, him. I was like, "I'm pretty." I was like, "I was riding hard, but I'm I'm pretty light," you know
2: you weigh what like the most weight weenie cross country dude weighs ever. So
1: <laughs> no, they're dudes smaller than me. Um, but yeah,
2: like 12, year old kids or something. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying like, you're not a big person. So it's just like crazy that something like that would break. That's what I'm
1: Yeah. At. Yeah, exactly. So he, he's like, yeah, fill out our RA form and we'll send you, you know, we'll send you a, a, uh, you know, an RA so you can return that and we can evaluate it. It's like, I don't really know like what's going to happen just because it is like, it's not our part that failed, but then the frame was broken because another part failed. But he did say, he's like, we we really try to help riders out and keep everyone stoked. Like, so we don't, yeah, it sounds like they really want to, be on the good side here.
2: Yeah, here's how I'd approach that is like if I were pivot, I mean, that's really just no matter how you design your frame. Yeah. If someone else's shit breaks. Yeah. That's really crappy. But at the same time, you are selling a product that is complete with that person's shock in it. And you don't really have a choice. You as a customer, you don't have a choice to get something else. So they are really selling it'd be like, um, here's a good way to look at it. If, you know, like, what's one of the recalls that's happened? Uh, The Honda airbags that were, like, had shrapnel in them and shit. Honda (laughs) didn't make those airbags. You know, it was made by Delphi or Bosch or some other, you know, third-party company. I have no idea who. But Honda's the one that takes care of it, and they take care of it, and they're the ones that are going to turn around and then put it on that third party. But they sold you the end product, so they should take care of it. So the way I see it is Pivot should probably take care of it and then try to get reimbursed from Fox. That's how I see it.
1: Yeah, and I and I hope so. And I I really like I I'm not like trying to get a new bike or something. If they were like here's a new front triangle in shock, I'd be like that's rad, thank
2: you. Well, I think that's what they should do. Yeah, totally.
1: But I don't know if they still have that front triangle because they've updated the bike since then.
2: Oh, uh, okay. But I hope
1: they do. Like I don't care. like if they had like a a pretty new like demo front triangle, I would take it. I just want like a working bike that still has a warranty really. Like, that's my goal, is to have a working bike that has a warranty. You
2: should get a 29 or they work better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'll stop being a dick.
1: <laughs> I really, like, I kind of thought about that. It's like, man, what if they offered to give me, like, a switchblade or something? That would be cool, but I don't know. Like, I just, I don't want to... Uh... That would end up costing money, because then I would have to, like get another set of wheels and I don't know I just I just want a working big bike sure but, so that's what's happened to me in the last
0: week Rowan from Germany wants to know <laughs> if uh, Levi was the same person in the last two episodes yes we had the same special guest that was barely a guest the last two times um, his question about technical stuff though is there a clutch derailleur option for my Shimano 8-speed winter bar bike? I'm running 8-speed, so weight performance and shyness are not important, and mm-hmm. it is 1x8 uh, with a 39-tooth chainring and eleven twenty-eight 11-28 cassette. Um, no.
1: No. You can't get an 8-speed clutch derailleur.
0: No, there is not. But you should be able to run a narrow-wide chainring and not need anything else if it's just doing bar bike duties. Yeah. That is correct.
2: So front rings do more work in chain retention than clutch derailers do. Clutch derailers help, and they're necessary in a mountain bike. But, yes, just like Matt and Andrea said, front ring, that's what really matters. So a lot of people race cross, uh, have done that for many years. I've done with that too. A, yeah, with just the front ring. And the more teeth you have on that front ring, the even better everything gets. So, uh, yeah, there you go.
0: I still just want to punch someone. <laughs> uh, Randy from California says, uh, I've been enjoying listening. You help feed my cycling obsession and my 13-year-old dirt jumping daughter enjoys listening with me, but I suspect she gets the biggest kick from listening to you drop F-bombs wide. <laughs> so this is going to be a really good episode. Tell
1: her um, to just yell, fuck you, at the top of her lungs.
0: Uh, I have a question for Kenny. Have you purchased your new Tallboy 3 yet? You, it seems to be an obvious choice, yet i never heard you mention it's in your new bike considerations. You said you want a new full suspension bike, and this bike appears to meet all of your criteria that you've discussed in the past, such as solid rear triangle, 29-inch wheels. 110-millimeter travel, threaded bottom bracket, and I believe you are a Santa Cruz dealer as well. I recall you had a blast riding the Mach 429, and the Tallboy is arguably even more funner than that. It is a little longer, a little lower, and has the shortest chainstay in class. What are you waiting for, and what are your third caught? Current thoughts on choosing a new bike. Thanks, Randy from Tustin, California. So
2: I have not, I've yet to ride a Tallboy 3, and it's my own fault. Just, you know, as a shop, we're not a gigantic shop, and I just have budgets to deal with, and I have to I have to keep the lights on. And Santa Cruz, for me, is a brand that I like to carry, but it's not one that really honestly pays the bills. Uh, so I have to, like, get all my Cannondales in first, for example. So um, I'm working on getting a Tallboy 3 in as a demo, and I will definitely ride one, and I'm sure when I ride one, I will probably buy one. The only, only, only thing about that bike that scares me a little bit is that it has a really, really slack head tube angle, like way more slack than I would prefer. I believe, and I could be wrong on this, I believe it's slacker than the 429 Trail. Um, but, I mean, you can mitigate that with just different fork options. Uh, you know, they suggest running a 130 mil on a 29er. I'd probably just go ahead and run 120 with a 51 offset, and it would probably be pretty damn fast. Uh, yeah, we'll just have to see. I haven't ridden one, so... That's really the only reason I haven't talked about it is because I don't want to talk about something I haven't ridden. Um, But, yeah, I'm sure it's great. But the 429 Trail is great, too. So uh, if it rides anything like the 429 Trail, then I'm sure I'll really enjoy it. I actually, arguably, I think I almost like the 429 SL better than the Trail. Um, Of all the bikes I've ridden recently, the old school 429 Trail, the one with the 142 rear end and all that kind of stuff, like the 2000 and… What, 2015, 16-ish model? Did they go to boost for the, Anybody the, know?
1: So the 429 Trail was the first boost bike that they made. So the first 429 Trail was also boost. Um so Sorry,
2: sorry. I'm talking about the SL now, my yeah, bad. So yeah, that's the,
1: the one that I have.
2: Yeah, so the SL with the 142 rear. Yeah. That one. Um It's rad. That's the one that I rode, and it was fucking rad. Yeah. It was... To me, it was almost perfect. It had a 120 fork. Uh, Did it have I don't a Fox know... 34
1: on it or 32? No,
2: it had a 32, and okay. I to this day I really want to find out what offset that bike had. It was definitely a factory pivot. I need right. to call them up and hopefully they can tell me. I have this feeling that it, I, I really hope it wasn't because I'm gonna like just I'm not even know what to do anymore. I think it was a 46 offset,
0: Probably. 120,
2: but it just it didn't feel like that. It really did not ride – I've ridden plenty of 120, 46s, and I just didn't really like them. So I'm really hoping deep down inside that was a 51 offset because it, that way, if it wasn't, then I guess that bike was amazing just because it had the short rear end. I have no idea.
1: It is, it is a really awesome bike.
2: It was a great bike. I like. I think I like the SL better than the Trail, and it's not because the Trail is a bad bike. It's because from my riding style – and what I'm used to, that felt most at home. Uh, I raged. I was able to be more confident on the descents that I'd ridden previously on my aluminum Jet 9. That, was, that set up 110 front, 100 rear, 46 offset, and long chain stays because it's a Niner. Uh, the old Jet is. And I felt better on the 429 SL than I did on my personal Jet. So that's yeah. a really good thing.
1: It really, like, it's such a cliche and, like, stupid marketing term. But, like, when people are like, oh, it feels like it has more travel than what it says it has. I think that, I, I think that that bike kind of lives up to that.
2: I agree. I thought it felt great. It was a good bike. Now, I never, I don't ever feel like I run out of travel on my 100 mil bike, to be honest. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, there are times when I skip off a couple of things. Um, but that's just not really a big deal. I'm just used, that's how I perceive a full suspension bike to handle so i'm just used to that right so the way I, I gauge my riding around that um but with that said for what it's worth the direct comparison i have is aluminum jet nine uh it's the revised one so it's going to be the same as all of the old jet nine carbons it's the same geo same travel everything is the exact same it's just alloy it's that bike that was a very lauded bike and a very good bike. I mean, I still ride mine. I like it. It was a very good – I think it was one of the first good, really good, efficient, full-suspension 29 bikes. It really was. And you had one, Andrea. You yeah. had a carbon jet 9. It was just a good – it was a good all-rounder. Uh, but that 429 Trail – s. Or sorry, I keep saying Trail – the 429 SL – with the I, I guess it's got much shorter chainstays and a little bit stiffer side to side rear triangle. Yeah. It's I'm guessing why it's so much better. And it has a little bit slacker head tube angle with, I believe, a fifty one offset fork. That's the only thing that makes sense to make it handle the way it did.
1: I don't know, um, like mine well, of course I, mean, I I put the pike on mine like aftermarket but, but it's a forty six offset and it, it gotcha. handles great. Like well, it's... we all
2: know you like slack bikes, so I don't even know what to – I don't even know what to think anymore. You like climbing on <laughs> on, uh, on V10s and stuff. But uh, anyway, long story short is I just haven't ridden that Tallboy 3 yet, and I'm hoping that it's a great bike, but ah, we'll see. And while we talk about something else, I'll actually uh, pull up the head tube angle numbers for the uh, 429 Trail and the Tallboy 3 to compare those two, because they're very, very similar bikes, I believe. Um, I think the Tallboy 3 is a little bit more progressive in the fact that it has even longer top tubes and even slacker geometry, I believe. But anyway, while we talk about something, I will look it up real quick.
1: Now we didn't talk about donations at the beginning of the show. We got one from someone called Dave Dave, from the United States Minor Outlying Islands. And Dave Dave gave $25.
2: Damn. We have minor outlying islands?
1: Yeah, I don't even know where that is.
2: What, what, what are those?
1: I mean, they're somewhere in the ocean.
2: Well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> or does that mean, is it like a little, is it like a little sand island in the middle of some lake in like Alabama? I don't know, Alabama maybe it's like in lake,
1: lake Michigan or something.
2: Yeah? So he's. <laughs> Part Canadian? Possibly. He probably has internet on his island, though.
1: I hope so. I don't know how you'd listen to us. Do you think it's like a private island?
2: <laughs> Definitely.
1: Um, did you find what you're looking for yet?
2: I am looking right now. Okay, so head tube angle, 67.5 on the 429 trail. Um, Okay, that's cool. Let's look at the, and I'm assuming that's with a 130 fork, I think is what they spec that sucker with. Uh, so we will look at the, what else we're we comparing to? Oh yeah, the Tallboy 3. Their donations? That's it. Well, cool. Do we have any other listener questions?
1: Um, I don't know. Matt kind of abandoned. He had his computer set up with everything, and he just walked off because e-bikes pissed him off.
2: Man, it's, uh, it's pretty uh, cranky.
1: Yeah, it looks like we do. Oh, this one's kind of long. Um, this is from Adam from around the corner.
2: So, by the way, I'm totally fucking wrong. <laughs> um, so the Tallboy 3, and I believe this is with a 130 fork as well. Um they, they recommend you use a one thirty fork in the twenty nine setting. And no, maybe I have that wrong too. Shit. God damn Do you remember? Kenny. I think they tell you to use the longer fork with the twenty seven and a half plus wheels yeah, than that's the twenty fork with that. the twenty-nine. Okay. Let's just assume this is with the one twenty in twenty nine. I think that's right. Where's the somewhere they usually tell you what fork length they tell they do with here, but uh okay, here we go. One thirty fork for twenty seven plus one twenty. For 29. So it is technically a little bit different travel between the two bikes, uh, but it is a 68 degree head tube angle on the Tallboy 3. So it's a half degree steeper, but it is a shorter travel bike as well. Yeah. So I think they're going to be relatively similar, uh, similarly behaved, and I think the chainstay lengths are actually really similar. Uh, do you know, Andrea, off the top of your head, the new 42? No, the 429 Trail is a boost. Okay. Yeah, and the one I rode was definitely a boost 148 rear. Okay, cool. Yeah. Got it.
1: It has to be. That's the only way that the four two nine trail
2: is made. Ever. Okay. So yeah, I think they're gonna be actually really similar bikes. So and I liked the trail. It was a really good bike. But the fact of the matter is I, I like that you're, one. You're you're a short
1: travel bike guy. Like I, I get it. It's all right. I am and that's
2: and that's cool. I, I had more fun. This is gonna sound really silly to the people out there, but if I had a choice today of a lift run service bike I would ride the 429 trail. That's what I would ride. (laughs) And if I had to go pedal up that mountain, I would ride a 429 SL. Yeah. But I'm weird. That's what I, that's just what I'm comfortable on. Um, I'm not going to go raging downhill on a bike. I'm not comfortable on. And it's just as simple as that.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, Well, I'll read the next question from Adam from around the corner. Hey, Jerry gang. I was going to ask Matt this question individually, but being that cross season is kicking off and my question involves mountain bike components, I thought it might be worthwhile to ask on the air. I recently converted my cross bike back to a one by setup from the MacGyver two by setup it had after picking up a new road bike. Shout out to Matt at Wheat and Wheat Ridge on that one. Woo woo. <laughs> After dropping a chain in the first race back on the one-by setup, I decided it might be time to upgrade my Force non-clutch derailleur to something of the Type 2.1 sort. So that, like, kicks in the ass what we just said about you can race cross without a clutch. Um, well,
2: yeah, you can, but yeah. you know, can't guarantee anything. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I mean a pivot uh, a pivot Mach Six shouldn't break, but <laughs> it, it <laughs> without
1: happens. wanting to drop 100 plus. Dollars, uh, doll hairs on a Rival 1 derailleur, or better yet, 175 plus on the Force 1. WTF, not worth it, almost identical in weight. I decided to go the cheap route and get a GX 2x10 Type 2.1 rear derailleur. I searched all over and couldn't find anything on the interweb indicating past success using the GX slash SRAM Road combo but I know that X1, XX1, X01, etc. have proven successful from what I read up on SRAM spec sheets. It sounded like it should work just fine. Here's the dilemma. I've set it up the same as I would any other road rear derailleur. Setting the limit screws and adjusting chain length like any normal one by setup. However, I cannot get it to shift into the largest cog. Keep in mind, this is a 10-speed setup with a red shifter. What gives? Did I miss something with the initial setup? Did something change in SRAM's designs causing compatibility issues between older generation road and newer generation mountain parts? It also appears that when the derailleur is shifted as low as it will go, there's much more room between the top pulley and the largest cog than usual, even with the B screw fully adjusted. It's a mid-cage derailleur with an 1128 cassette. Let me know if you need more details. Thanks for all you guys do to keep us listeners entertained and educated. Cheers, Adam from around the corner. Um, I didn't really follow all of that because I was reading and not comprehending.
2: Uh, so the gist that I got is that he's running an 11-speed mountain uh, horizon-type derailleur. So yeah. horizon-type being XX1 or X1
0: or xo yeah, one
2: or GX, or the new Eagle 12-speed, they all move completely side to side. They don't move in that little 45-degree angle like every other derailleur in the entire world runs. Uh-huh. Uh, so my understanding is this, and I could be wrong, because holy shit, I'm in the business and I can't even keep up with all the damn intercompatibilities and stuff, and I just don't have enough cross people here in Memphis to like really play around with this. My understanding was, at least a year ago or so, is that if you want a Horizon-type rear derailleur, and you have a 10 speed setup and you want 1 by 10 SRAM that there is like one type of derailleur that is actually officially compatible with that. And I don't know if it's a pull ratio situation or a geometry situation with the cage length and how far the the you know B screw moves your stuff up and down and all that kind of jazz. But regardless, my understanding was there's only one type of derailleur that can actually do that. And I'm going to try to find out which one that is. But that's all I can really That's the only advice I can really offer you, because the only other official solution is to run a uh, a ten speed mountain setup that's like a forty five degree old school parallelogram, uh, like one
1: of the like an X nine like ten speed, an X nine
2: or X O, yeah, exactly. I think that may work, yeah. But then it does, yeah. So that's my only advice so far is to try to run that because I have seen people do that before. But I think there's only one Horizon type derailleur that works with. Ten speed, and I'm gonna to try to. we gonna have to talk about this while I do work on the keyboard and the Google's. Um, Le- and
1: Levi is going to join us now since Matt just abandoned this episode. So yeah. this
3: is like a, a one by drivetrain setup, which is a two by.
1: Just so you like, Levi is a good substitute because he's also tall and southern. <laughs>
3: Is this is this 1 by or 2 by that we're talking about? 1 by. It's it's a 1 by. So okay, he's trying so to run 1
1: by using a red. I'm assuming uh 10 speed I, I have shifter? this
3: exact setup. So a Rival 1 derailleur with 10 speed shifters? Yeah. Yes, yeah, and 10 speed cassette. That's what's on my Crux right now. But
1: he's no, he got a, a GX uh rear derailleur, not a yeah, ri- He said I, he didn't want the Rival uh, well, one because I did it was that expensive. Also.
3: The GX uh, type 2 mountain derailleur uh-huh. with red 10 speed shifters should totally work. I never ran an 1128 cassette because I'm a pussy and I have to have easier gears than that. But uh, I have a 942 E13 cassette with that uh, rival one. And before that, I had an 1136 cassette with a GX. Type two rear derailleur with red shifters. I mean,
2: like the old red. Shifters. So you think
1: there's something else going on besides compatibility?
2: Well, yeah. I think it might be part of it. Might be the smaller derail. Uh, sorry, the smaller cassette because he just doesn't have cogs as close to that uh, upper pulley as he needs to have. So it's, it's always going to shift slower than it will with, let's say, an eleven thirty-two an and eleven thirty-six or even bigger. But uh, because but that, those derailers derailleur- shift
1: yeah. fine on the like. If you had in a like a ten forty two cassette, that derailleur shifts okay going like fifteen, eighteen, twenty one, or whatever they do. Like it shifts okay on that end of the cassette. Why would it matter if it
2: just stops? Ah, at 28? there's something else to think about. So on those derailleurs, they're really fucked up. The way they the B screw tension is also slightly determined by your chain length. So if your chain length is wrong, like way wrong, okay. then nothing's ever going to line up right because the way those things work, they don't. Uh, the pivot is not on the actual upper pulley like a lot of other derailleurs are, or at least close to it, like the 11 speed Shimano uh, Shimano stuff is. It's way, way offset. So if you watch that thing, if you just um, if you have no chain on your derailleur on a SRAM like 11 speed Horizon type like XX1, and you swing the bottom of that hanger or the bottom of the uh, pulley cage, watch that upper pulley. It it moves drastically. Uh, up and down, uh-huh. unlike a lot of other derailleurs. So I have a feeling that his chain length slash cassette size has something to do with it, because that derailleur, the way that offset was designed, was designed around a humongous range of gears, like a ten forty two, not around an eleven twenty eight. So
1: you think he needs a, less chain?
2: Um, I can't think of it mentally because I don't have it in front of me. I don't know what yeah, would I be. Have to look at it. Like I don't big, know what would be big, better in his situation but i have a feeling it's it's what i said earlier which is i think there's a specific derailleur that was designed that's a horizon derailleur that was designed for a smaller ratio of a 10 speed kind of road cross type deal. He i'm, sh- I'm actually looking on like quality. Quality. He, he should get, quality
1: get quality his out. uh he should get his bike shop to call the Strambulance.
2: <laughs> yeah cuz sram's really good about that you can i mean sram's going to tell you that what you have is not going to work but they tell you a lot of things don't work. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, just because they say it's not official. But what the nice thing would be is to ask them, what is the official solution to it? Because I don't know off the top of my head. I'm looking right now. If is we there, can, just
1: ask them, is there a Horizon-type derailleur yes. that will work
2: with a red shifter? 10-speed. 10 10-speed. 10 10 speed. That's the key, is 10-speed and Horizon. So let Well,
3: let's I mean, 10-speed, I have an 11-speed rear derailleur. Uh, rival one with 10 speed shifters the exact act- actuation hasn't changed between 10 speed and 11 speed so you can run an 11 speed you know road shifter and a 10 speed uh, gx mountain derailleur and it'll shift up 50 34 11 36 with a type 2 clutch I could tell you exactly a guy on Instagram that's running that setup. Actually, <laughs> a guy on Instagram is doing <laughs> it, it. it. Works. He he's got. A, he, I don't know. So yeah, a saying.
2: guy on Instagram also owns a, a Lamborghini Gallardo, but <laughs> but he really doesn't. I don't it. see why it wouldn't work. So. I mean, <laughs> yeah,
1: just make sure he should make sure that he, if anything, call up Sram and ask them the same thing. Like, so
2: here's what's fascinating: is I am not seeing. If you, this is on quality, and this is just how a search filter works. But I don't see any 10 speed compatible Horizon derailleurs at all from SRAM. Hmm. So, but they So do, I don't even just remember be a, that could just be a filter mistake. You know, I, I'm not saying that's the case because I swear to God, there's some, there's one derailleur out there that is labeled as being officially compatible with 10 speed stuff. And this is what's confusing is they had for a short period of time they had this whole grupo called. And by the way, SRAM, you need to fix your shit because you have way too many goddamn Grupos and like, they're all <laughs> the all fucking the X's
3: stain. and ones and shit. Well, what the hell? I mean, he
1: says Fival he got one. a GX two by 10 type 2.1 rear derailleur. So it's made for so,
2: 10 speed. They also used to have a CX one and I guess they discontinued it. And then they have a force one and a rival one and then GX one, X one, XO one, XX one, XX one eagle. Fuck me. Like. It's crazy. Oh wait, here. Get, wait, what is this? Oh, sorry. sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm cruising on the. Oh my god, they have an EX one too. What the hell is that? <laughs> I don't know what that is. You haven't sent
3: NX either.
2: Oh, EX one. That's for an electric sys mountain bike. That's okay. the that's the e bike. Uh, one by Horizon derailleur. It actually says it right there. That's crazy. Uh, XO one DH. Oh, that's a whole other weird thing. I think that seven one's speed. like one by seven. Uh uh-huh. Okay, so forget that. That's not
0: it. Um, so I just I still don't looking... understand why Wait, this isn't is working. That, that could
1: mean... go back to that other question that dude had about his bar bike. <laughs> he could get well, what that. What
2: was the question?
1: Remember the, the last, one of the last dudes asked if there was an eight-speed clutch derailleur for his bar bike?
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there is like
1: there's a downhill one that he could get
2: Hell yeah! I forgot about that. Uh, by the way, GX one is available. is one of the few groups I think that you can get two by eleven if you want to do that. They make a long cage version. It's basically all that, all that means. Uh, so this Force One shit is well, the GX.
1: It? I guess my like my little moment of confusion a minute ago was that it's a two by ten rear derailleur, GX rear derailleur, but it's mountain two by ten and not road two by ten, which just means it shouldn't matter. Yeah. Oh,
2: he's running two by, well, he's running one by, though. I thought he
1: is running one by, but that derailleur okay. is specced as a two by 10 type 2.1 mountain rear derailleur.
2: Okay. So here I found it. I fucking found it. <laughs> okay. So SRAM, and I don't know if all derailers are this way. And just this is the only one that's labeled on quality like this, but here we go. SRAM force one 11 or 10 speed X horizon rear derailleur. Medium cage, 36-tooth maximum rear cog, formerly Force CX-1. There you go. I think that's the one that you need to purchase.
1: Well, yeah, he said he didn't get that because it was
2: it was expensive. Well, now you got a part that's cheaper that it doesn't work. So I don't know what to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, he said he skipped on getting the Rival or the Force one because they're more expensive. And the Force one was way more expensive and not really lighter.
2: So uh, just like I said, it was that CX – there used to be this CX-1 group, which apparently is now Force 1, which is also somehow retroactively compatible with 10-speed. I don't fucking know. It's weird. And for all I know, this derailleur, this Force 1 11-slash-10-speed thing that we're talking about – that might very well be the exact same geometry as one of these other derailleurs. I have no idea, but that's the only one in text that I've ever seen in real life that says officially it's compatible with like a smaller cassette and 10-speed. So yeah. that would be my suggestion is for whatever reason, if you can't get it to work with your particular setup and your chain length and all that kind of stuff, um, you might just have to suck up and buy the Force 1 thing.
1: I would, if I were him, I would call SRAM and ask them uh, if that should work. Um, also just eliminate any other thing that could be wrong. Like, yeah, I know you're, so that happens sometimes, um, as a mechanic is you put something like that together and you're worried about compatibility. So when something doesn't work, you're like, oh, it's a compatibility problem. When really like your kickstand is clamped on your derailleur cable or something like that's like, be sure you check for other stuff like that. Don't get stuck in the box of just thinking compatibility because it could be something else.
2: So the one thing that I have not personally done is I have not spent enough time messing with cable pull ratio differences between SRAM 10 and 11 road and mountain stuff. So I just don't – Yeah. I don't know. I love fucking around with that stuff, but I just haven't had enough of them in front of me and enough like demand for people to want to do these weird hybrid things that I've never done that before. So I just don't. I don't really know beyond what the text on quality says, which is uh, that that Force 1 is supposedly officially compatible.
3: Cool. I feel like that should work, though, because I I had that. I I kind of feel like it should work also.
2: I think it should work as well, but I think you're going to have to be really cognizant of your chain length because it's going to be super important. So if you guys ever, anybody out there in listener land, if you ever get bored and you have like an XX1 mountain setup with a giant cassette, or an eagle, or whatever, is go play with chain length. Like, take a link out, you know, add a link, you know, or just kind of like, you know, squeeze the chain together a little bit so you can see what it would be like with a shorter chain and watch how much difference it makes on your B screw adjustment. It's insane.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. So, on this list of stuff to talk about tonight, under new shit, I probably hate are loop wheels. Have you seen those?
2: No, I haven't seen them.
1: <laughs> uh, go to loopwheels.com and look at mountain bike wheels.
2: Oh, are they made by E13? Uh
1: no, I think they're made by Loop Wheels.
2: Okay, hold on.
1: Instead of spokes, wheels, they have
2: loops. Bike rumor.
1: I don't think Loop it's wheels on bike curl
2: rumor. carbon fiber. Maybe it well, is. Well, this is in 2013. <laughs> So I see a post from no shit, April 14th, 2013. uh, And it's got some like weird little like interconnected figure eight looking thing. of So go go
1: to loopwheels.com and they have mountain bike wheels now. So like those wheels that are on the weird little folding bike, like those are on a mountain bike now. (laughs) Yeah. It's supposed to be like more suspension for your mountain bike. Uh, Okay. Yeah, but it's in your wheels.
3: That's where you want
1: it. That's exactly where you want it. I wonder if I could break one of those.
2: Uh, I'm going to say
1: yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say yes more than no. Okay, here we go. Commuter bikes, mountain bike. There we go.
1: Oh, look at that. It's on like a Nexus hub with a coaster
3: brake.
2: Yeah, that's... Interesting. <laughs> so is it like I def- a leaf spring? Or is it like- I definitely yeah, it's trust like three leaf spring.
1: springs inside of a wheel.
2: Yeah. When you have a picture of a bike that has like a 25.4 bar and like a WTB Laser V saddle and a fender on the back, like I don't <laughs> automatically trust what you're That's a selling. really high-tech a looking down fender,
3: fender also? Don't
2: forget but about it that. It does have a down-tube fender. That's pretty fucking baller. That is... But, keep your knees clean. That's a, a super square high-tech paper tech crank. fender. Yeah, and a, a square, super
1: high tech square taper crank,
2: and it like a two rear tire and like a two point eight front <laughs> a triple. It's got a triple. What? that awesome. actually looks uh, kind
1: of like a like a mullet bike. Like that might be a twenty nine front and like a twenty yeah. rear. It does.
2: So for you folks out there trying to you know produce new products, even if your product is j- actually awesome, no one's going to trust you if you have like some fucking no name brand Moto bacane piece of shit aluminum hardtail with like a 1997 uh leftover manitou r7 fork on it or whatever that thing is like come on you got to try a little harder than that and these pedals oh my god it's those fucking shimano pedals that people bring in that they claim they like but they're always broken they <laughs> like that weird extra little spring thing in the middle and, and it, oh my like god. the that
1: outer plastic cage rattles around because they're broken
2: Yes, they're, every single one I've ever seen is broken. So I automatically do not trust anything this company is doing.
3: The picture uh, shot from the non-drive side, too, which I just...
2: I also see this is an aluminum wheel, and it has Allen heads bolted through the rim hoop into their little device and shit. Like, you got to make a better solution than that. That's <laughs> not ridiculous. It's just so, like,
1: you know, it's like spoke nipples, but they're four-millimeter <laughs> Allen bolts.
2: Yeah, so I already don't trust this thing for shit. And that thing has... The Sturmey Archer internally geared. I
1: think that they need to send me one of those to see if I can break it. I wasn't (laughs) going to try and break it. I'm just going to ride it like normal.
2: It's smoothing the
3: ground. It's faster and awesome. Those are three of its selling points. Just awesome.
1: I don't know how you quantify awesome, but they probably did.
3: Loop wheels feel (laughs) different and better. Once you've tried, they won't go back. Yeah. (laughs) Won't look back. You won't look back because your wheels are broken.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah, this is marketing at its finest right here. It's awesome because they feel different. (laughs) You feel like you're powering
1: through, not bouncing over.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, I get what they're trying to do, but, yeah, you need to get some people who actually ride mountain bikes to do this stuff. So not cool.
1: Did we already right. talk about REI and uh, salsa?
2: No, we that was something that we were gonna reserve for a later show because I think it was gonna be a rabbit hole. Um and we're already like an hour in, so we should probably we should probably uh deflect that one for right now. All right. I mean we can talk about it if you want. I don't no, really have cool. a lot of opinions either way about it to be honest, but
1: uh I don't either. But yeah, I'm kind of indifferent.
2: The way I look at it is this, this is how I'm going to leave it, is I don't care. So these independ- or these, uh, these bike companies, let's say it's Cannondale, they need to respect their current dealers. You don't cannibalize your current dealers. So as long as whatever business decision they're making is not cannibalizing their existing dealers, like putting too many dealers in one geographic location and et cetera, right. et cetera, um, I don't care really who carries what because the fact of the matter is, if that store is good at carrying what they're carrying and it's not a price issue. So it's very different if they're letting some big box retailer get a different price as far as buying power goes, or they let them sell below MSRP or have other little spiffs and perks behind the scenes and shit to make the deal better. If at the end of the day, REI is a better retailer than I am as an independent bike dealer, that's my problem, not Cannondale or REI's problem. Yeah. Uh, So, I need to be a good independent bike dealer. I don't need to just sit there and bitch and moan that someone else is carrying my product. Uh, look, if REI really does good and they support their shit, then they're doing good, right? Like, it, it's like being, you know, I, this is kind of a bad example because I think Best Buy doesn't really have very good support, but it'd be like in the old school days, if you were a little mom and pop electronic store and then Best Buy started popping up and carrying like kind of the same stuff that you carried, but they just do it better. Like they have better marketing or they have, you know, people on the sales floor that are friendly or whatever it is, right? And again, Best Buy is probably a bad example. But if Best Buy is more successful at carrying that same stuff and they're selling it at the same MSRP, then that's your problem, not Best Buy's problem. So I don't really, on the surface, I don't have any big issue with it. And, you know, if uh, the only person that should really have issue with it is somebody who currently sells Surly who feels like they're being cannibalized, like if they… In salsa? Yeah, or oh, I'm sorry. It's salsa, not Surly. My bad. Yeah. So, if it's a current salsa dealer, and they're next door to an REI, and they've been a salsa dealer for uh, ten years, and REI comes comes around and they give them this huge account, and you know, let's say let's say that store has been doing amazingly well with salsa, uh, that they sell you know hundred thousand dollars worth of salsa a year, whatever that number might be. And then they just give the account basically to REI. That would be kind of a dick move.
1: That would be uh, a dick move.
2: Because you have a currently high performing dealer who does it. But I think what you're probably going to find is that a lot of these salsa dealers are probably underperforming. So salsa as a brand is trying to push their stuff. I mean, yeah,
1: you know, the only store I've ever been in that has a lot of salsa stuff and really seems to like sell the shit out of it was uh Bobby's shop in Stillwater. Um oh god. District bikes. Um district cycles. Is
0: that it? Yes it's district and pedals all the fuck ton of stuff too.
1: Okay. Well Matt has an opinion but he's giving it from the other room.
0: I think I'm getting fucking sick and I'm stressed the fuck out about it.
1: But yeah so I mean he was saying there's a, there is a store in Denver that sells a lot of uh, it's in this it's in Littleton which is basically there is an REI um not far from it um that sells a lot of salsa. So the one I was talking about is District and that's in Stillwater and there is not an REI in Stillwater. Um and they sell these shit out of salsa and they have like a whole community um around that shop and so like they they use that to sell A lot of their bikes and it's, it's a cool place. Um, but but uh,
2: I'll bet you a lot of those people are still going to continue to go to that independent bike dealer and not REI because they want the experience. They want the people that know the stuff. And I'm not saying that REI is going to do a bad job or their employees aren't going to know anything about their product. It's just that, you know, if you are really good at what you do and you create the experience and you support the people and you like put on group rides, that's what's really going to draw people in, uh, providing good service. That's really what's key. So. Also, I think Salsa, for example, does really well. um, Just a few people I've talked to, they do really well up in uh, I don't know what area of the damn country you call it, but you know, Michigan, Wisconsin, the kind of fat bike uh, areas that Salsa does really, really well there. In a few shops that really have embraced their product and pushed it, and they like are hosting fat bike races and like that's good, that's really cool. But they those IBDs really worked hard to create those experiences. And, and it pays off. So I don't think REI coming in and carrying some salsa bikes is going to completely destroy that. Yeah. Um,
1: I think that you're good at
2: what you're doing. I think
1: you're right. Um, I think that the, the shops that sell a lot of salsa now, it seems like they have, like you said, like there's a community built up around the shop and there's, that is not the sort of person that's just going to up and go be like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to go shop at REI now.
2: Yeah, they're not going to do that. I think the only people it's going to hurt were the people that were kind of carrying salsa on the periphery as kind of a secondary thing, and they did it just because there was a little bit of interest, and they had, you know, at the time, let's say somebody wanted a salsa bear grease carbon, right? Like, that was a very, that was the only bike of its kind for a little while, and you probably had some people, some bike shop owners who were fairly savvy who said, I'm going to carry a couple of those models, but I'm not really going to, like, push it. And they kind of got word out that they carried that model and people just came in because it was the only place to buy that bike. And they, in turn, made some money off of that. But I don't think they really properly embraced it and pushed it, you know what I mean? So I think some of those periphery dealers are going to be the ones that will lose business. But other than that, I mean, you know, Salsa is going to sell probably a few more bikes is what it boils down to.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I don't – I actually find it a very interesting decision. And it's not so much. I actually think most of the risk is on REI, and not so much on anybody else, because I just don't think REI is going to sell that giant volume of salsas.
1: Yeah, I but think they, most maybe people I'm that just go wrong. To REI to buy a bike are looking for like more of a budget kind of bike.
2: Yeah, and there's not really very many inexpensive salsas. The only thing I can think of, and I could be wrong here. This is total speculation. So you can call me a dickhead or you can call me from Salsa and tell me I'm completely wrong or whatever. I'm just totally guessing out here in left field as to why this happened and how it's going down. But I wonder if there's some kind of like a consignment situation going on where Salsa really, really wants REI to carry their bikes, So they're almost kind of offering them on consignment. I don't know. Just a guess.
1: That is a a, a pretty good hypothesis you've got there.
2: Who knows? But yeah. anyway, long story short is, hey, I just kind of shrug my shoulders and go, hey, if you're really good at what you're doing and you currently sell salsas, then you're going to continue to sell salsas. I mean, you're going to be fine. So don't sweat it.
1: All right. Well, that was that was our – also under new shit I probably hate were the new Niner bikes, but we we can talk about them later or never.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you more uh, feedback there as well because – one of our coworkers has employee purchased a uh, Jet 9 Carbon, the new yeah. one, and he bought it in the 27-plus configuration. And, uh, you know, I haven't ridden with this particular guy a whole lot. So, um, you know, he's a really strong rider, but definitely very new to the sport. And he definitely has a lot of technical ability, but not quite the engine just yet because he's just kind of new to it. Uh, but, you know, he was he was ripping pretty hard on that 27-plus. I'll give him props for it. And I rode it around a little bit. And it's definitely, without a doubt, that fucking thing is slow on like flats and on the street. It's like miserable to pedal that thing on flats. Uh Uh, But I mean, it's kind of a cool bike. It looks really good and it definitely hooks up in the corners. Uh, I'm very interested to see uh, in a very short period of time, we're going to get him some 29 regular wheels and we'll set up 29 wheels on it and we'll see how it goes. The Mm, fork is just back testing. Yeah, the fork is ridiculously insane it's got a pike on it right now uh-huh. and it is set at 140
1: that is ridiculous
2: I believe which is fucking insane that's uh, gonna avoid the warranty <laughs> I'd really like to see that bike at 130 or 120
1: well yeah that's what it was made for
2: uh, with the 29 and we'll see we'll definitely see how it goes and I will hopefully I'll be able to ride that and I will report back to you guys but I've yet to ride it in 27 plus on the trails I just kind of rode around the parking lot and then watched him ride it on the trails so I'll yeah. uh,
1: oh, when I learn so- more I'll let you know off topic, uh, slightly, but do you know if a, a Fox 36 that is currently at 160, can that receive like an air spring or anything to make it 170?
2: I believe, okay. I believe, uh, that, well, no. Okay, so I think the Fox 36 can go out to 180 millimeters, uh-huh. but that might only be in 26 or 27 and a half. It, is, are you talking 29?
1: No, 27 okay. and a half.
2: I know that in 26, at some point in the 36 life cycle, you could buy a 36 at 180. In 26, but I have yeah. no idea. They they redid the chassis like a year or two ago, and I don't fucking know. I'm sure we can just. That would just be a simple like look Wonderful. on Fox's website. Um, now, not everything that they sell is on Fox's website. For example, you can get a Fox 34 at 110 mil travel. But they don't actually sell it at 110. You have to do it yourself with an airspring.
1: Right. So there's a possibility. That's kind of what I was thinking. It would be yeah, situation.
2: more than likely, if they they might not sell, they might not spec, for example, they might not spec a, let's say, 27 and a half Fox 36 at like 130 or something like that. You might mm-hmm. have to get an airspring to go shorter travel. I really doubt they wouldn't offer an out of the box longer travel one. That's just a
1: guess
2: yeah. on my part. Uh, but they have a really decent drill down on their website that you can play with uh right fox here we go
1: yeah'll fi- I'll figure it out if it ever becomes uh
2: relevant but this is it is twenty seven and a half you said correct yeah okay yeah it's pretty easy to do their little um whoops so you go fox thirty six boom and we go drill down you want oh say it says travel options one sixty one eighty. oh that's in twenty six or uh here we go it says it right here Travel options 140, 150, 160, 170. Okay. So 180 is reserved for 26er. That's a okay.
1: good And then you
2: can go out to 170 on 27.5, and, and you can go out to 160 on 29er. All right. So there you go.
1: Well, cool. That's good yep. to know. All right. Uh, I think that's probably enough for tonight. That's like an hour and 15 minutes.
2: Yeah, that was solid.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening to Just Riding Along. Uh, We will talk to you again next week. Good night.